and I believe you're unmuted, Tali. Hey, hi everyone. I'm Tali. I'm a compulsive overeater, and uh, today I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, gosh, you know what? I'm just going to pray right now for God to guide my words and thoughts and actions and um, really direct uh, this to the newcomer and to anyone in the rooms here that is struggling. Um, I just want to start by saying that my story is actually not a story of continuous abstinence. It's a story of lots of relapse because... I never quite understood step one, which is kind of the foundation of this program. <laughs> so I would get cocky. And you know, that, that saying um, that uh, addicts are the only ones who find something that works and stop doing it. Um, that's, that's my story. You know, it's, I'd find something, it would work, right? I'd come into the rooms, it would work. And then I'd promptly stop doing it. And I'd say, see ya, I can do this on my own never quite internalized to myself the hopeless nature of my disease. I always at some level thought that I could control it and I could eat like a normal person. And so that vicious cycle for me, uh, unfortunately, I, I had to do a lot of eating and a lot of experimentation and have a lot of um, experience with defeat uh, at the hands of food <laughs> um, for decades, not even years, just decades and decades and decades. So I will say that um, I am a garden variety compulsive overeater. I like quantity and I like to eat by myself. I don't like to eat in front of anyone else because that means I have to eat like a lady and I have to sort of not eat the way I want to eat, which is to just shove it in my face. And so I like to be by myself. I like to isolate. And I'm one of these high functioning, you know, addicts, you know, because I, on the outside, you would never know. I went to a good college. I went to a good law school. I have my own career. I got married. I have kids. I Like on paper, everything looks fabulous. But when I'm in the food, I I can't count my blessings. I, I can't feel it. I can't, I can't experience the joy because I'm just so miserable in the food. And how do you explain? I mean, that's like people looking at you and saying, these are luxury problems. Like, really? Like you're, you're not happy with everything you have in your life. You almost feel ashamed to say anything, but I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was, I was not miserable all the time. But in the very core of who I was, I was just so sad. You know, I don't know how else to say it. The food made me so sad because I couldn't, I felt enslaved to the food. And it was a moral thing for me. Like it was just like the one area in my life where I couldn't put my mind to something and lick it, where I couldn't set a goal and meet it. And it just depressed me. It, it became like a moral judgment on my character, you know, like, oh, in every other area I have willpower, but in this one area, I can't get my shit together. And so when I came back into the rooms two and a half years ago, 
by the way, for the fourth time, for those of you who've had relapse, just to give you some hope. I was so depressed. I was 176 pounds and climbing. I couldn't string one day together. I couldn't string two days. I couldn't string, really, I couldn't string a, a day together, meaning I'd start with the resolution in the morning and by evening it was over. I, I was just, I couldn't stop. And I was, I just felt so enslaved to the food. I just don't know how else to explain it. And when I first came in, I know some of the people in these rooms are, you know, pre-COVID were in the rooms with me, like when I would get up and I would say things like, I just want freedom. I just want freedom from the food. And when I came in, that's what happened. I got freedom from the food. The obsession was lifted. And what I came to understand was this is not a moral or character issue. It was that when I put the food, when I put alcoholic foods inside my body, I cannot stop eating them. I have a physical allergy and I can't stop eating them. And when I do stop, I have that mental twist that makes me forget that I just burned my hand on that stove. And so I can't stay stopped. And so it's like the vicious cycle of putting the alcoholic foods in me and then swearing them off and then going right back to them. Um, because what happens is I know how to eat. I grew up in a, with a health food father. I read ingredients since the age of, you know, since I could start reading ingredients, I read ingredients. I know that ketchup has corn syrup, I everything, but I couldn't stop eating my alcoholic foods, the sugar, the flour, the sugar, flour, and fat. I mean, you know, I, I just can't stop eating it. And so the, the knowledge of how to eat wasn't enough. And so I couldn't stay on diets. When I came into the program, I was so defeated that I finally just said, I'm done. And then the freedom, the freedom came for me this time right away. And it was lifted. Thank you, Melissa, I see that. And the freedom came and the, the obsession to eat was lifted. And then in the rooms, people would hear me say, um, wow, I have this freedom, right? There's the promise of freedom, that, that, that first promise, we will know a new freedom. And now I really want the joy. I really want the happiness because now that I have neutrality around the food, I wanna actually enjoy my life. I wanna enjoy the moments. I don't wanna just look back and say, well, look at all these wonderful things I have, but I don't enjoy it like in the moment, in real time. And I have to say that in the last two years, that is what has happened, that the joy has come. And it was not like, ah, oh, like a, you know, road to Damascus moment where I was hit by a bolt of lightning and I was suddenly struck joyous. It was like little shifts, little shifts as I worked the steps. And uh, truly, the steps are just incredible. I I never did the steps before. I, you know what? I didn't get it because I never worked the steps. All I did was go to meetings and, you know, which I have to say, I mean, I love the meetings. Those are my reminders. Those are the things that remind me of where I was and where I am. But when I started working the steps, that is when I started to shift from being totally self-centered, 100%, and not even knowing it. I thought I was a good person. I mean, I knew I had some defects and I was impatient and I was a little short with people and I could kind of bite your head off if, you know, I was discontented or irritable that morning. But 
overall, I was kind of a good person, I thought. And the thing is, is that I just didn't realize how my ego and self-centeredness had infiltrated every aspect of who I was and how I interacted in the world. And so with the little shifts of surrender, 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 my will to God, and I'll wrap this up, um, with those surrenders, like those continuous active surrenders of my will, I have started to feel the joy and that promise, the first promise of uh, you will know a new freedom and a new joy, I mean, is absolutely 100% how I'm experiencing the program this time around. So I just wanted to tell if you're struggling or if you're in relapse or if you're new, this is an amazing program. You're in the right place if you have a desire to stop eating. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Awesome. Thank you, Tali. And our next speaker is Lewis. Please join me in thanking. Oh, unmuting. There we go, Lewis. Now you're unmuted. Um, thanks, Melissa. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Hi, my name is Lewis. I'm a compulsive overeater. Incredibly grateful to be here, um, seeing all so many familiar faces and even more so unfamiliar faces. Um, if you're new, if this is your first time to a meeting or you know, you're within your first 30 days or you're you know, coming back again, welcome. Uh, if you need any help, feel free to reach out. My number's in my little square. If you'll indulge me real quick. I just, you know, uh, I wanna read something to you guys from the big book, page 124. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. And I never thought that all those secrets that I kept, I never thought that all those disturbing ways that I ate, I never thought that all those terrible wreckage that I would leave through people, places, and things in my wake would be an asset to someone else. You know, these are things that for 37 years, when, before I came in the program, I thought I was the only one. I was convinced that I was the only one. So for me, it was invaluable, right? When someone got to share their past experience with me and to know I'm not alone that I'm a part of, sometimes whether I liked it or not, right? Because did I wanna be a part of this group in the beginning? Absolutely not. This is not where I wanted to be. I desperately wanted to not be a part of. But when you hear your story in someone else's voice, right? It's amazing whether they're anorexic, whether they're an overeater, you know, the insanity is the same. The spiritual malady is the same. So today, when I can tell people that I put on over 100 pounds in less than a year with a transplanted kidney that my brother donated to me, I hope that brings you hope. That that's not going to be the bottom for you. When I tell you that I would pay for groceries uh, um, on the credit card, but pay for my binge foods in cash so my wife wouldn't find out, my ex-wife uh, wouldn't find out, I hope that brings you hope. 
I hope that shows you that you belong here. When, when I say that, you know, I stood in front of the fridge and, and would just tear right through it and pretend like I didn't eat anything, I hope that brings you hope. And if you're, you're here today, and if you're not sure this is the place to be, you know, I just give it a chance, take someone's hand, right? Because at the very beginning of the book, and this is why I love the big book and the forewords, right? Each day somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. So these things are beautiful that we do. So if you're struggling today, reach out to that other compulsive eater. Reach out to your brother and sister in this program. You know, I, I desperately did not want to be here, but when I heard those voices, you know, and nodding heads, when I would describe the things with food, I knew I belonged. And today, all these promises, I, I got to share at a meeting earlier today where I talked about the entire nine step promises and I get to live them today. And especially this one means the most, especially when I work with a new person, I need you to know that I am like you, whether you believe you're like me or not. So today I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for the fellows. I'm grateful for the friends that I've made here and the beautiful things that have grown from that, right? You know, and I don't forget the past. This, this disease would love me for me to forget the things I've done, you know, the things that, that I've experienced. But today with those experiences that I've had and when I tell other fellows about it, instead of destruction and wreckage in my wake, you know, I get to leave, try to uh, lead a path of recovery. You know, there's so much love that I follow and that follows behind me. And that's such an incredible gift. So don't be ashamed of your story. Share it. Don't keep that to yourself. And you don't know who you might help one day. So thank you for letting me share. Awesome. Thank you, Lewis. And our next speaker is Devana. I believe you can unmute Devana. Great. There we go. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Devana. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm so, so grateful to be here tonight with you all. Um, so many of you here around the world. Um, we are together in this thing. And um, I, I also want to thank God before I start uh, for the gift of abstinence, um, because I was able to say yes to share today. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, we will comprehend the word serenity. Um, you know, um, when I accept uh, my life exactly the way it is, um, I can be serene. I can find serenity. Um, I, one of the places that I, I go often um, is in the big book. I believe it's, um, I think I have it memorized. I think it's page 417 um, <laughs> where, um, you know, it, it, it talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it talks about, um, you know, um, I can find no serenity unless I accept that person, place, uh, thing, or situation. Um, you know, and and that is that has is true for me. You know, um, 
some of you um, know or have heard that my I lost my grandmother um, a few months ago uh, to COVID. Um, and, and then a week, about eight days later, um, my uncle also died. He lived in the same home and he died as well from COVID. And, um, you know, as you would imagine, um, this has been a very, very difficult time for me and um, in my life. And, uh, um, and a lot of you do know because you have been holding my hand through it. And um, I, I thank you all for, for that. Um, and I love you for that. Um, you know, my, my grandmother, she was the first person to introduce me to um, um, the, an African-American woman who was an opera singer. And I didn't know that existed <laughs> when I was a little girl because I would sing all over the home. And, and she said, let me play something for you. Um, you know, and, and what hope that was that maybe one day, you know, and, and I did end up following that path and later found out that that was my grandmother's dream as well. So um, it's just been wonderful to, um, to show that. And she saw me recovered, which is, which is an amazing thing. Um, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I'm here today. I, I, I have a lot of sadness in my heart um, and grief and, um, you know, my, my dear mother, you know, she lost her mother. And, um, you know, this has really been, um, you know, I, I, it's been tough for me, but what I want to do and what I want to be, um, and I ask God, you know, just help me to be um, uh, a loving daughter and a daughter who uh, shows up, shows up for people, um, you know, and with this program, I'm able to do that. The miracle is, um, you know, in all this grief and pain and everything that's happened, my food has not changed. My food is the same every day. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. It, it is a miracle, truly. Um, you know, one of my favorite prayers is the prayer that we either uh, began the meeting with or we ended with um, the serenity prayer. That has just been a, a regular go-to for me um, during this time. Um, you know, I, I love in the, um, the serenity prayer, how it, it reminds me that, um, you know, I, the serenity is what I'm asking for, but I don't have to do the job of granting it. You know, it, it starts saying, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. You know, God grant me, you know, I don't have to grant anything, you know, um, and, and that, that brings me so much um, comfort it brings me um, so much comfort and, and joy. And, um, and all I have to do is just seek it, you know, um, that's really my job. So, um, so, you know, my, my abstinence is another, um, another thing that brings me serenity. Um, I, I commit my food every day to my sponsor uh, in a 10th step. Um, I eat three meals a day, nothing in between. Um, I do not eat sugar, flour, um, and, uh, you know, um, and, and actually, I, you know, I don't drink alcohol, although I'm not an alcoholic, but it, it you know, it, it, it fit for me because I, I want to live a sober life. And um, that's just how it goes. <laughs> Sobriety, you know. Um, but I, you know, one another and another thing that I've, I've started doing here recently is um, to seek that serenity is meditation. And, you know, meditation has really, really taught me how to be, um, to be still and listen, you know, and they, throughout this thing and, and, 
you know, the things that have happened in my life, I've, I've asked God questions. And, and many times I get answers now, you know, I get answers when I'm quiet and I'm listening and, um, you know, and I'm, and I am connecting to my higher power and my God. And if I stay abstinent, um, you know, then I'm able to, um, I'm able to serve other people, you know, I'm able to show up for other people and, um, and, and, and be an example of serenity, you know, and, um, um, you know, I, that is truly, um, a miracle. Um, and I, you know, I have to, my, my sponsor says this all the time. She did right before the meeting, you know, you are a miracle, you know, and, and I, I have to be reminded, <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I have to be reminded of that, you know, um, uh, that God cares for me. And, you know, and what we learn in the third step prayer is that we get to, we don't have to do our life alone anymore. You know, we get to turn our will and our life over to the care of whatever, whatever is more powerful than you. You know, for me, it's God, but, you know, just turning your will and your life over, um, you know, it gives us the freedom to, um, to do our life you know, and, and a trust that God is, is taking care of us. Um, I, I recently had um, something, another source of pain that happened in my life. And um, it was uh, through a, a long time friendship um, of mine. And uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Melissa, <laughs> upside down. Um, but <laughs> a long time friendship of mine, you know, that, that, uh, he, he crossed a boundary and I mean, we've been friends for a long time, but you know, God had been showing me some red flags. God, had, God was telling, I was asking and God was showing me, but I, you know, was not paying attention. And anyway, um, he crossed a line, betray, um, betrayal, manipulation. Um, and because I'm connected, um, you know, I didn't miss it this time. I didn't miss it. And I called my sponsor you know, um, right after this thing happened and I was, I was in rage. I was, I mean, I was literally shaking and, you know, um, you know, because we learned today that in step five, we don't have to do this alone anymore. So, so I called my sponsor, that's what I'm supposed to do, you know, and, and I talked to her and we, you know, it was, it was very clear that this person, um, was not good for me you know, and, um, and so I ended that relationship and with love and dignity and grace, because that's what I do today. Uh, I learned that in step eight and nine. Um, and, um, you know, and, but what I, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually I did have to block this person um, because they were beginning to send me text messages that um, disturbed my spirit. And I know today that my serenity is is everything. It is my uh, it is, I it's my first priority, and so I had to do that, you know. And my sponsors supported me in that, you know. Um, and <clears throat> you know, since that day, I you know I just I feel like I've, you know, basically placed him in God's hands, <laughs> you know. Um, and so anyway, today I get to um, I'm so willing to answer my sponsees calls, um, <clears throat> you know, and um, I'm just so excited and um, happy that I'm able to to show up today um, yeah, because that's what I do today. I show up. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Devana. Fantastic. Our next speaker is David G. David, you should be able to unmute. 
I am David. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for having me. I'm up in Zion National Park with horrible Wi-Fi. Um, so this one's riding on higher power, but I think it's going to work. And, um, you know, we will know peace. Uh, when I came into OA, I didn't know what peace was. I didn't even know what peace meant. Um, I had to look it up in the definition. Um, peace is freedom from disturbance. And that is not what I had when I came into OA. I just celebrated 10 years of abstinence um, from binging, purging, flour, and sugar. And I came into OA when I was um, 21 years old, 12 years ago. And I was failing out of college. I hadn't spoken to my dad in 15 years. Um, every relationship ended in a disaster. I was binging and purging and diet pilling and over-exercising my way through Manhattan. Um, I had two suicide attempts. I had been hospitalized. Like there was no peace in any area of my life. Finances, always out of money. Um, just every area, um, the scorecard read zero, like truly. And, um, you know, I, I, I've heard in program, you know, some people lose everything that they have and then through program, they get it all back. And for me, I was somebody who I, I, everything that I've received has been a result of working this program. I came in here with nothing. I was born into nothing. Um, and my life, the way that it looks today is all a result of working the 12 steps of OA. And, you know, I come from a lot of trauma, alcoholic home, abusive father, testified against him when I was seven, like every sob story you could have. Um, but what that did for me was a belief that everybody is against me. I got to do it all myself. And, um, you know, I just got programmed into chaos and dysfunction and war zone mentality. And what I did into my teens and my 20s was I turned that against myself with the food and the purging and the excessive calorie counting and the 15 pills of diet pills a day. And um, by the time I came into OA, like I just had nothing and I was willing to do anything. And for me, getting to know peace, it started with even learning what it meant, um, but it started with the food. Like I've heard a lot, you know, from the other speakers, I needed to get peace with the food. And for me, that starts with, you know, getting abstinent and not eating my alcoholic foods, no matter what. And by doing that, I start to feel peace um, in an area that I had never had peace in my entire life. I've been binging and purging since I was seven years old. Um, and I never knew what peace meant. I never knew what it meant to have a healthy body weight. Um, and, you know, my first couple of years in program, doing that and focusing on the food and focusing on the diet plan and not eating my alcoholic foods, not breaking my abstinence, no matter what, I learned what peace meant with the food. And then, you know, that's just 5% of my recovery today. I needed to know peace in my relationships and I needed to look at all the relationships and, you know, going through the steps does that for me. It's a design for living. I get to look at how I've been hurt, but how I react. And, you know, how I cut people out of my life like a king and you hurt me and you're out of my kingdom. I never want to talk to you again. And that's how I rolled every relationship. If you hurt me, if you crossed me, if you said the wrong thing, if I thought you were talking about me, you were out and I never allowed you a second chance. And I learned, you know, that is a character defect. And if I want to break it, I had to go to the source. And I did that with my father, you know, 15 years of not talking to him, blaming everything for him. 
I learned in this program how to forgive again, or maybe even how to forgive for the first time. And it started with the willingness, you know, praying for the willingness to forgive my dad. And then, you know, slowly forgiving my dad and making amends to my dad and 12-stepping my dad. And, you know, I got married two years ago and my dad gave the toast at my wedding. And, you know, every step of the way in my relationship with my father, I thought that was the end of the story. I thought me bringing my dad to an OA meeting in Westchester, New York, after spending a weekend with him and him raising his hand as a newcomer, I thought that was going to be the end of the story. But it kept getting better the more that I healed myself and was willing to look at my part in things. And I, I've looked at all of my relationships um, and I've gotten to know peace there where I, I never had any of it. And finally, like I've, I've had to learn peace with myself. And, you know, I had a sponsor who used to say, you know, David, write down your most repetitive thoughts. What is your mind telling you in the day that you're in? And I started watching how I beat myself up all day long. And I did to me what my dad did to him and what, you know, my dad did to me. Um, I just wasn't physically abusive. I just beat myself up all day long in my mind. And I tore myself down and I told, I told myself, I'm not going to do it. I shouldn't talk to this person. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. You know, they won't love me. And maybe one bite will make it all better. And, you know, I started to heal my thoughts and watch my mind and realize, you know, I am not my mind. And, you know, I learned in this program that trauma exists at a cellular level. And, you know, for me coming in as an adult child of alcoholics, like I could not just get abstinent. And that was the end of my story. Like I have, I had a lot of baggage and I had a lot of trauma and I've really had to heal it and deal with it, um, both physically and in my mind. And doing that, I now know peace and I now know that I am peace. And, you know, I look at my life today, I have a relationship with my father. I have a happy, healthy marriage. I have sponsees. Um, I have a career. I have a beautiful life. And, you know, what comes first is a relationship with a higher power. Thank you so much. And, you know, like the other speaker was saying before, like my serenity, my peace, you know, it had to become important to me. And it's not just about the food. Like it, it is about the food for a really long time, but then it's not just about the food. Like what else is taking away my peace other than the food, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a dynamic, whether it's a character defect, whether it's too much coffee in the morning, whether it's my trauma, whether it's my sexual trauma, whatever it is, I've had to look at it and realize that if, if my serenity, if my peace is really important to me, have to shine a light on it. And um, I am so grateful for this program for giving me the design to do all of this work. And, you know, without this program, I'm dead. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm dead without this program. And not only am I not dead today, I am so fully alive and in love with my life. And um, happy, joyous, and free today and abstinent and the food doesn't call to me and my body weight isn't a problem to me and I don't lift up my shirt and I don't get on scales and I don't count calories and um, I don't let other people take away my peace anymore. You know, there's a line in the AA 12 and 12 that the spiritual axiom that whenever anything outside of me is disturbing me, it's really just 
a reflection of me. You know, this is all an inside job. If I'm not right with myself, all bets are off, you know, with my wife, with my career, with my sponsees, with my friendships, with my father, with my mother. Um, so let it begin with me. And, you know, today, by the grace of God, I know peace. I seek peace. Um, you know, peace is not free. You know, this program for me has not been free. I have to work my ass off every single day and then I have to give it away. You know, this is not a, this is more than a full-time job. This is double duty um, because not only do I have to work it for myself, I also have to give it away. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, David. I'm gonna post the seven tradition in the chat. I'll do it a few times. And also after this next speaker, I'm gonna post all the phone numbers in there just so you know, so you have them. And our next speaker is Darren. Let me unmute you, Darren. Can you unmute? Perfect. Hi, um, my name is Darren and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I'm grateful to be here and uh, honored to be asked to share. Uh, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences, how our experience can benefit others. Um, <clears throat> well, um, in my case, no matter how far up the scale I went, you know, um, I have to share that experience. Um, you know, um, I can say, um, you know, I wasn't so willing to share my, 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 my experiences, um, you know, um, getting up to somewhere near 375 pounds, you know, going through a relapse. Um, you know, first of all, getting up the 365 pounds at first, losing weight, about 65 pounds, getting into a relapse, and then, um, you know, the shame of being in that relapse. Um, but it's, it's, it's even more than that. You know, it's, 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 it's the weight of life, it's 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 the the carrying all the baggage, carrying everything that that, that has happened to me, and um, you know, um, and I'm I'm a compulsive overeater. So um, the fact that I have this disease, the fact that I'm going through all of this crap in life, the fact that I don't know how to handle life. The fact that I um, have thought of myself as being a failure because I failed at so many things and I thought I was a failure. Um, failed relationships, failure in money, failure in jobs, failure, um, you know, um, with everything. Um, um, you know, not being where I wanna be in life um, not talking about anything, um, you know, 
not, you know, just isolating and into the food, you know, um, and and that that that's that's my experience. But I, I I come in with all of this stuff as as I'm going through it. How would I even think that my experience, my stuff that I'm into, could benefit someone else? How can my failure with money? How can my my uh, uh, having to go to the doctors and dealing with high blood pressure and pre-diabetes and having the doctor tell me uh, if you don't lose the weight, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to die. And then at the same time, I hear you. And you would think that would scare the hell out of me. It did scare the hell out of me, but it scared me for a minute. And I'm right back into the food, no matter how far up the scale I went. You know, my doctor could tell me, <clears throat> you know, to do this. My family members were afraid to tell me that they were concerned. They were worried about me and what I was doing to myself. They could see it, but I couldn't necessarily see it. So coming to this program, gives me the freedom. It gives me hope. Um, you know, having a sponsor, working the steps, um, following the food plan, um, being connected to my higher power, um, praying, accessing power, that my higher power gives me, I'm accessing it daily when I am making outreach calls. When I have a problem, I ask people what their experience is. That's what part of this experience thing is. It could be anything in life. It could be related to OA. What is your experience with this? I don't necessarily want your advice. I want your experience. Share with me. So now that as I'm going through and someone asks me what my experience is, I can tell them I failed, I floundered, I, 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 I've, I've had health, have health issues. I've, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I um, have wreckage from the past. I've done these things and I can share my experience and say to them, but look, this is what happened to me. And this is how I got abstinent. This is how I got sober. This is how um, the program is working for me. And hopefully, you know, it's something that'll inspire them or give them hope or, um, you know, just just a little something. Um, you know, I'm grateful for the many people, the Craigs, the Lewises, uh, the Adams, 
the the uh, so many Holly and uh, everyone. I'm I'm grateful for them sharing their experiences with me. I'm grateful when I hear people call me and tell me about their day, or I can ask them what their experience is. I'm grateful that I can make outreach calls and share my experience of my day or whatever is going on, because then I'm also shedding the baggage. I'm letting loose, I'm letting go of stuff that is bothering me that may trigger me to overeat. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have the experience to share the experience, to live the experience. It's not always uh, um, happy experiences, but it's life. It's, it's, it's what it is. And sharing what it is allows me to let go, allows me to give others hope. If, if you know, Darren went through it, I'm going through it. And it also allows me to see other people saying, hey, Hey, I've been through that too. And then I'm not alone. You're not alone. You're not suffering alone. I'm not suffering alone. We can share. And that's the wonderful thing about this program. So um, that's all I got. Thank you for letting me share. Great, thank you, Darren. Our next speaker is Maria S. And you should be able to unmute. Hi everyone, I'm Maria, um, anorexic, bulimic, compulsive eater. Thank you, Melissa, for asking me to speak. Um, I'm really glad this is on Zoom because if I was speaking in front of 370 people in person, I would be terrified. <laughs> um, so the, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to say that when I was asked to speak at this meeting, I, I truly felt that I could speak about any of the promises. Um, and I've been in OA for almost seven years now. Um, and that is just such a miracle to feel like the promises have really come true in my life. Um, but I chose this promise specifically because it really speaks to the experience of my life before I found OA. Um, and that description of uselessness and self-pity, I mean, that was really what my existence felt like. Um, and I remember when I was in college, when my eating disorder was really active and really controlling my life and I felt truly out of control. I felt compulsive. I was overeating, undereating, bulimia. Every aspect of this disease was present for me. Um, and I had a friend who was sober and I was reaching out to him because I was so depressed and upset and feeling like my life was out of control. Truly that feeling of uselessness and self-pity. And he was like, you just need to be of service and you just need to think about something besides yourself, find a power greater than yourself. 
And I was like, all I do is think about other people. I'm so selfless. I, I can't believe you would even say that to me. All I do is think about other, that's why I'm so upset because I'm just thinking about other people all the time and no one cares about me. And he must've just, you know, been laughing and like, was like, okay, she's not ready. <laughs> and, you know, one of the beautiful things was in my ninth step amends, I got to call him and say, I remember that. And I know what you were trying to do now. Um, and I'm sorry, I wasn't ready to hear the message then, but um, I understand it now. And, and that was really the, awakening the spiritual awakening and just the conscious awakening that I had when I came into OA and started working with a sponsor and working the steps um it it was this interesting like flip of perspective it like turned my whole the way I saw the world upside down and I realized for the first time that that feeling of uselessness and self-pity was actually a selfish feeling and it was a self-centered feeling and it was a it was an ego-driven feeling and it was the same root that made me feel like I was in charge of everything you know it's like the ego of everything is my fault means I'm the most powerful um and when I came into this program and was introduced to the concept of a higher power and that like maybe I wasn't in control of everything. Maybe everything wasn't my fault. One of the things I say a lot now is like, I'm not powerful enough to destroy my own life. Like I'm just not that powerful. Um, and so in surrendering to a higher power and, and finding a, a spiritual way of existing, it was like the, the responsibility was taken off of me. And I could believe that things were going to be okay because it wasn't my responsibility to fix and solve and resolve everything. Um, and in that relationship with a higher power is where that feeling of uselessness and self-pity was able to leave me. Um, and I hope, I hope what I'm saying makes some kind of sense because I feel like it's really hard to explain, but it's been really profound for me. Um, and another way that that shows up in my life is that this program is also really about just focusing on my side of the street. And there's so much freedom in that as well, like knowing that the solution to any problem or situation or conflict isn't for me to go change other people's behavior or minds or opinions of me, which is what I really like to do. And I think I'm pretty good at, but <laughs> it actually brings me more peace and more relief to look at my own part. And that's really the only part that I have any control over. Um, and so, you know, the fourth and fifth step has become, or a 10th step, however you want to look at it, and eight and nine have become such a big part of my life. And just there's freedom in taking responsibility. There's freedom in looking at my own part. There's freedom in acknowledging and seeing how I can do things differently. And 
for me, it's not about, um, thank you, I see that. It's not about beating myself up, which is what it was before. You know, before it was always beating myself up. Why couldn't you stick to the diet? Why couldn't you just not eat that thing? Why did you have to send that text message? Why, you know, it, it was all the self-centered self-flagellation. And today, you know, one of the other concepts that really applies to both my eating disorder and my life is like, no damage control. Like I, my life was all damage control. It was like, well, I ate this. So now I have to do this. Or, you know, I messed up in this conversation. So now I have to do this with this person to clean this up. Um, and today I get to just live my life moving forward. I don't have to go in the past. I don't have to compensate for what I did yesterday or this morning or last month. I get to just keep moving forward. And when something happens, I keep living. When my meal's not perfect, I just show up to the next one. When I don't say the right thing, I just do my best the next time I talk to that person. Um, so yeah, for me, it's like, I got my power back by giving all my power away. And, and that's really the essence of, of recovery for me and, and what's been so transformative in my life. And, and that feeling has, has truly evaporated from my life. And that doesn't mean my life is always easy. Um, things are hard all the time. Things were hard today but I don't live and mired in that state of uselessness and self-pity. Um, I have a constructive way to move through my life um, and to feel of purpose and of value to my community, even when it's not perfect. So I'll wrap there, thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna post those numbers like I promised. And our next speaker is Katie M. You should be able to unmute Katie. Great, thank you so much, thank Melissa. You. Hi, my name's Katie, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much to everybody who did service to make this meeting happen, specifically Melissa and Jeff. And thank you to everybody um, who is here tonight because it makes me feel a lot less alone to have 374 people in my bedroom. This is pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you guys are all here. Um, and I'm so, so grateful and honored um, to be asked to speak tonight. And I've heard so much hope, so much hope tonight. Wow, I am just so inspired. And this meeting was one of my favorites when we did it in person, but you know, the, it, uh, this year has presented us with a lot of really beautiful opportunities to connect with people all over the world. And it's really just so cool to see that we will truly go to any lengths for our recovery. You know, like even though this Zoom thing might not be ideal for a lot of us, it actually has been such a gift, you know, to be able to connect with people all over the world. And um, I, my, the promise that I am sharing on today is we lose interest in selfish things. And for me, this, this really speaks to step seven because it's like turning all of my defects on, on its head into assets. And, um, you know, I think selfishness for me shows up in, as control, you know, wanting to control my food, wanting to control my body, wanting to control the way that uh, life happens to me rather than for me, and uh, wanting to control the way that other people act and behave. And that, um, that control 
was what I thought was the key to losing the weight and to, you know, kicking this, this food thing, you know, for good. I thought that what it was, was that I just didn't have enough willpower, that I just wasn't like dedicated enough because I could never stick to a diet. And what I've learned in this program is that it's actually the opposite. It's all about relinquishing control and admitting that you are completely powerless and have no control over this thing. And that only a power greater than ourselves can, can relieve us you know, from this compulsion. And uh, when I first came in, I was really resistant to getting a sponsor because I just didn't wanna involve another person. And that's one of my defects is that I'm such a people pleaser. But the way that it kind of played out is that it, it turned out to be for the best because now involving another person holds me accountable. And, you know, the idea of turning over my food to my sponsor, that I would much rather just not eat the XYZ than have to tell my sponsor I ate the XYZ because I just care so much about, you know, what people think of me and everything that, you know, for me, uh, turning my food over really has, has just been such a gift. And, you know, the truth is, is the food was always just a symptom of a deeper problem. You know, they say it's about the food, but it's not about the food. And I think, um, you know, for me, it could have been anything. It could have been alcohol. It could have been shopping. It could have been, you know, you name it. And for me, it was the food. And once the food kind of got quieter and, you know, once I was able to kind of put together some semblance of three meals a day with two optional snacks, that's when all of the emotion came up. That's when all of the defects really came to light because I no longer was numbing out with food. And um, it's interesting because when I was working my seventh step, one of the char character defects was impatience. I, especially like at work, I'm always so quick to just respond to that email. And, you know, I always just want to like be efficient and be quick and be in control. And like, I have a hero complex too, that I always want to save the day. And so when I, it's interesting to me that whenever I ask God to remove a defective character, almost instantaneously, I will be given an opportunity to put that into practice. Like, okay, you want to be less impatient. I'm going to present you with an opportunity for you to be more patient. And the way that that manifested for me was that shortly after I finished my seven and I asked God to help me be more patient. Um, I joined as the communications chair and I was able to, you know, help set the inner group up with um, some Zoom accounts so that we could get, you know, the transitions because this all happened in March, right, right at the very beginning of the pandemic when we were all scrambling to find out what to do and how we could easily transition our meetings to, you know, digital without, you know, while, without compromising anonymity and how we can, you know, because we have over 50, 55, I think, meetings a week in the Los Angeles intergroup alone. So I knew that, you know, we needed, it needed to be organized and it needed to be efficient and easy to use. And um, boy, has all the work that I've put into it really paid off because hearing people and seeing people on Zoom over the last 10 months get recovered is just the biggest gift. I can't believe it. Like it is so beautiful and inspiring to me to see people that got abstinent over Zoom this year. Like 
that's incredible. I just find it to be like so inspiring that, you know, people that this still works. You can apply the steps to literally anything. And as long as we have each other, because the community really was what kept me coming back in the beginning, you know, knowing that I had all these nice people calling me and, and you know, saying, how are you doing? How's your day? And you know, that brings up another great point is like getting out of self, you know, being of service by calling others. That's what helps me keep out of the food. When the food is calling, I call someone else and I say, how are you doing? And, you know, even if they ask me like, you know, what's up with you? Sometimes I don't even get into it with me. I say, oh, it's okay. I'm like, the food's noisy, but like, I want to hear about how you're doing and it helps. It really does. And the other thing about service too, is like working with others. I mean, if you had told me, like, I didn't even want to be a delegate. If you had told me that, like, I was going to be on the board, there's no way. I wanted no part of any of that. Like, like I said, I didn't even really want to sponsor in the beginning because I, thank you, I see the two minutes. Um, I didn't want to be bothered by it. But now, I mean, it has just been, like, such a gift to be able to see that, like, when I work my 12th step, it really, it helps me stay abstinent you know, and I'm just another bozo on the bus. I don't know anything better than I'm not, I'm like not even that good with tech stuff. It's just like, I feel like I know how to use a computer and like, I'm, I'm being of maximum service by putting my skills to use in order to help others. You know, like my sponsor always says, how can you be of maximum service? And this is something that I just like naturally kind of have a knack for. And like, it's, easy enough for me to do. And um, it has just given me back, you know, way, way more. And um, I also was told to get in the middle of the herd. And um, I, I definitely did that uh, when I first came in, just being of service, like volunteering to be of service at the meeting level. I mean, even something as simple as just, you know, being a timer, that commitment keeps me coming to the meetings because I would much rather just go and do it than have to like call and find coverage and like, just having that commitment and actually sticking to it really gave me a lot of self-confidence because I learned to trust myself. I never was able to stick with a diet before this program. Not that this is a diet at all. You, know, you guys know that, but I never was able to actually do what I said I was going to do. And now when I started stringing together days, you know, 30 days turned into 60 days, turned into 90 days. It was like, whoa, I can actually do this. Like I'm actually doing something that I'm saying I'm going to do. And it's only through the help of my higher power. And uh, so I also just wanted to show you that I have my candle here. It's Fireside from Bath and Body Works. And when I, when I lit it, I prayed for each and every one of you, uh, both those in and out of the rooms. And uh, that was something that I heard in a meeting once that stuck with me for years was that it gives me so much joy to know that you all were praying for me long before I even knew that OA existed. You all were praying for me. I was still suffering. And so I would love to, you know, just take a moment to acknowledge those in and out of the rooms who are still suffering and have either yet to find us or have left and, you know, are about to come back. Um, you know, I just pray that they find their way. And I'm just so grateful to be here and to be abstinent and to be of service. So thank you all so, so much. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for your service on this meeting as well. And our next speaker is Gar. Oh, I'm sorry, I muted you again. I apologize. There we go, yes. Uh, you're unmuted, thank you, Melissa. Hi, Gar, uh, compulsive overeater. Um, Self-seeking will slip away. 
Um, I would love to say like Tolly went first um, that I am a recovered um, compulsive reader and I've super recovered and being self-seeking. Uh, I have not. This is a really difficult promise um, because I feel like it was something I learned about um, well into the program. Um, I did not um, I did not show up with a really healthy assessment of myself. I wasn't um, trying to be unself-aware, um, but I remember, so I grew up in kind of a wealthy town and um, I remember at 15 uh, declaring to my parents that I, it was so unfair that we didn't have a house in Lake Tahoe because a bunch of kids in our neighborhood did. And it wasn't, and I, I didn't know, I mean, for years, that was always like the worst thing I said um, in our family. And so then it wasn't until uh, joining a 12 step program, getting 275 pounds, and then um, having a sponsor take me through the steps that I would realize that I'm um, kind of a much worse version of that one day at 15 years old, even though you've never been smarter than you are at 15. Um, I, have, uh, I have been shown a whole new world of who I am, especially around this promise um, in program. So self-seeking will slip away. Apparently it will, and it has for me some, but um, my journey and program has been, um, I was overweight, blah, 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 and then came in and then um, had nominal success in that I did that, you know, basically, you know, switch to Diet Coke and lose 30 pounds. If you're overweight enough, you make a few tiny changes, weight starts to come off. And so weight came off and I would kind of do what my sponsor would say. And then I now can look back with more clarity to say, one of the things I was doing was lying all the time about food and what I was eating. Um, I didn't call it that because it just was like, who cares? It's blueberries or it's apple. It's like oatmeal. It's not, it's not cookies. So who cares? And I, I just had almost no ability to just, like he just said before, like just do what I said I was going to do. I, I did in work. I did at church. I did with my wife and daughters. I like, I, I had the ability to more or less do what I say. And I could not tell the truth about food. And I, I didn't know that it was going to be that emotional to give up kind of my best friend. I mean, the thing that I love most in the world was, it was such a, it was such a death, you know, to have that go away. And um, so then what happened was I, I would, I would say kind of stumbled along for a year and a half and you know, lost whatever, four 40 pounds and then just kind of hovered in the two thirties for like a year. And then finally I tried, I heard a lot of people sharing about telling the truth. And so I, I decided, let me try to just tell the truth for a month and see what happens. And I swear like 15 pounds went flying off. I couldn't believe it. Like I, I wasn't eating 15 more pounds worth of this thing's like a Jedi mystery to me. Um, so I told the truth. And then years of telling the truth, you know, lose 70 pounds, start to get the perks of what the program has to offer. And so here we are, I'm telling the truth. I've lost weight. I'm building into others. I'm doing the whole steps all the way through. And then what I find is that um, self-seeking will slip away. I am, I go through the steps. I realize, no kidding. 58 of the 60 character defects I had when we would go through like step four, step five, step six, 
I had no idea that this was my character defect. So I was wandering around having no idea what my even kind of how I'm self-seeking, um, how I try to control others, how I try to move. I, I swear I did not know what I was doing. So even if it, it, God bless everyone who's here for the first time. Um, I wouldn't have known what that meant. Self-seeking will slip away. Like, okay, like trying to be what fully yourself or whatever. My work now, now that the food's down, and now that I'm um, gone through the steps, and I'm, I'm, I've conceded to my innermost self. I'm an alcoholic with food. I, this thing can't get better. It won't get better for me. I won't. I won't. Three years from now, be able to handle pizza. If I'm eating pizza, I'm out. I mean that. I I have lost. I have lost. And so I come here as a loser having lost. And now my sponsor is basically kind of like getting me back on the road to recovery. And so really all of my work in the last year has been on this self-seeking will slip away. I heard someone in a meeting say that they don't answer any question that doesn't have a question mark on the end of it. So I tried in order to not control other people, manipulate other people. Why don't I try that out? Why don't I not... And you know, my wife doesn't ask that many questions of me. You know why? Because she's for 25 years, she's going to get my take on it, whether she asked me a question or not. I'll, I'll come right in. Didn't, didn't know that before program. Also, um, my, it, when I put down the food, I, I felt so angry at things not going my way. My wife not doing things I want. My daughter's not doing what I want. Um, and so my sponsor over time has kind of, punched my head enough to say like, Hey, Garth, think of them as perfect children of God. Thank you. I see that doing their best. And you're now going to live in a world where that's the case where they're perfect children of God and they're trying their best. And then you, you know, at, at worst, um, what I've, what I've learned in how self-seeking I am, is um, <laughs> one time when he said, Gar, if your wife jumped off a building, you'd be more concerned with how it made you look as a husband than the fact that she'd be dead. And so in an attempt to live the program full out and be way more chill in relationships and with people, um, I can tell you that self-seeking will slip away I am, um, I will hopefully look at photographs of me right now, five years from now and think, wow, I didn't even know how to do this. I, I didn't know how, I didn't know how self-seeking I was and going through the steps and putting down the food was the first time I, I got a realistic assessment of how I'm trying to control other people and how I'm trying to, and how I want to look good, no matter what I was coaching an all-star team for my daughter. And she, um, we made a state tournament for the first time in our league's history and it was so incredible and I was a coach doing so good and she had also gotten into a musical and so she was going to miss the state tournament for the musical and I lost my mind and but I, I wouldn't have been able to see how I wanted to control the world to make me look good it's a 12 year old girl she's like excelling in a couple of things this isn't about 47 year old schlubby me this is about um, other people but I'm so self-involved did not know that before program did certainly didn't know it before putting the food down and did not know it without going through the steps. Um, 
I, I'm still getting to know how, how truly self-seeking and controlling of others and manipulating to get my way that I am. And it's from putting down the food, trusting God and trying to see people as perfect child of God. And then I get to operate in their world. Um, and so I'm just lucky my metabolism stopped years ago. Thanks for letting me share. Awesome. Thank you, Gar. All right, our next speaker, please help me welcome Julie. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Julie G. I'm a compulsive overeater. Melissa, thank you so much for asking me to speak here tonight. I have my candle here. Um, and welcome to everyone who's here. I'm visiting from out of state. Normally, this candlelight promises usually gets around 60 people. So it's pretty amazing to have <laughs> six times that, you know. Um, so my promise on page 84 of the big book is uh, my whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And I have to say that this, that truly sums up my recovery is an attitude change. Um, I, from as far as I can remember, um, was just felt very much like I didn't fit in. And even in my own family, I remember looking at my birth certificate because I was convinced I must have been adopted. Um, I just didn't feel like I fit in in the world. So I chose to reject the world before it rejected me. And I went through a lot of my adolescence with this attitude um, of, you know, I'm not going to let you hurt me um, first. And so I really didn't let myself be part of life. Um, I didn't think that I was allowed to be part of life. I thought I was too fat to be part of life. I didn't think that it, I didn't want people seeing me eat. I didn't want to go to school dances. Um, I wanted to do drugs because it helped me not eat. I wanted to smoke cigarettes and I did in the school bathroom. I had an attitude problem. Like I didn't care I thought I was untouchable. Um, and um, this attitude problem really made me um, not part of in life. And that became a really lonely existence for me. Um, my eating for most of my life, to sum it up, was dieting. Um, started at age nine. You know, it was, and for me, it was extreme. It would be like, you know, up 50, down 40, up 60, down 50. I mean, it was very extreme. Um, I dieted a lot uh, with my family. You know, this is very much a family disease for me. Um, and I did not want to come to OA. I had an attitude problem. I didn't want God. I didn't want to be part of OA, but I thank God now that I was desperate. There is no other place for me but here. There truly is nowhere else that I can go. 
Um, so I was really desperate. I came in and, you know, I was really, I was judging everyone. And I thought that, um, I came in five years ago and I thought that I was just destined to be fat and miserable for the rest of my life, that I was missing some kind of DNA that everyone else got, like that. I, I was just like, I couldn't stop eating. I, I just couldn't stop. And I didn't know why. And I was crying to my husband every day and like saying, I want to die. Like, I want to die. What's the point of going on? If I'm going to be fat, I might as well be fucking dead. Sorry for swearing and recording. Um, but, um, you know, I started working the steps in this program and I learned that the problem wasn't the world and the problem wasn't people and the problem wasn't places, that the only problem was within myself. And the only thing that I could truly look at was myself and work on myself and my thoughts and my opinions. And um, I had no spirituality, or at least I didn't think I did. You know, I think I did, but I didn't know it, that inner tuition that I listened to. Um, the first thing I had to do to get over my attitude was I had to listen to other people. And that's what this program has taught me is to listen to other people's experience, strength and hope and to try something different than what I think is right. You know, I think I know everything and I don't, you know, and I have to be constantly reminded of that and humbled by that and ask others for help. Um, I used to think that asking for help was a weakness and that doing things on your own was a source of strength. And now I realize that asking for help or even just accepting help takes more strength than to do it on your own. Um, so this program, you know, has really taught me that this is hand in hand and that we work through this together. And I can still have an attitude, you know, um, I just don't have to act out on it anymore, you know. I had someone tell me years ago that I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I'm responsible for what I do with that second thought, you know, and how I really work on my shift in my thinking and my actions is one by working with others. They're a reflection of me um, and I'm a reflection of them. And I work with a sponsor and I work the steps of this program. And um, working step six and seven have probably been the most transformative for me in this program as far as self, you know, four, five, you know, eight, nine. That's really, that's cleaning up the past. That's cleaning up my wreckage. That is like, that's cleaning house you know, but like six and seven is in the middle of the steps. And I think it's for a reason because it keeps me balanced. You know, it's the two steps that I have to look at on a daily basis and ask God for help, you know, like, and it's simple. God grant me patience. Like, it's just, it's simple for me. God grant me patience. You know, God, like, whatever it is it is 
like sometimes like often my prayer is so simple it's god whatever you know because it's not up to me and you know faith is really uncomfortable you know and i'm willing to be uncomfortable in faith because i know what's on the other side of faith and it's freedom you know and i know that anytime that i'm truly truly in discomfort i am ex i am in a spiritual experience i don't want to hear that at the moment okay right but in that moment i i'm working through a spiritual experience you know i'm facing the things that i don't want to face i'm confronting the things that i don't want to confront and my higher power proves to me over and over and over again that I can get through anything, anything. I have done, I can't tell you how many fourth steps in this program, you know, because I have an attitude problem with people. <laughs> so I have to do four steps because things come up, but they come up and I deal with them. Um, in the past, I ate over it. Um, I came in, I'm five foot two and I was 213 pounds. I don't even know what size I was. I was at the point where I was at two X, you know, I stopped buying pants that were in numbers. I just started buying in X's and, um, I was on, I was 31. I was on the verge of high blood pressure. My doctor was telling me I was going to get diabetes. And I'll tell you, I, um, I'm two years out of relapse and I've maintained a weight loss of um, 60 pounds for those two years. And, you know, I thank you so much, Melissa. And, you know, I'm really grateful to be here. The weight loss is just a byproduct of this program. And with an attitude change, your whole life can change. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Julie. Amazing. Three left. This has been so great. Thank you all. Um, please join me in welcoming Lizzie. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am Lizzie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, thank you for asking me to participate in this meeting, Melissa, and um, to everyone who gives service um, at every level. And thank you to all the speakers who've spoken just before me tonight. Um, I appreciate you all. If you, a lot of you are my friends on this meeting and there are a lot of new people and people that I don't know. So I hope that if you're new um, and you haven't heard anything that you'll keep coming back. And if you um, are struggling, just reach out. There's so many phone numbers on the screen here, you guys. Now to you it's you're the we only get better together um just a quick numbers thing well actually let me just say my promise is um fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us um and let me just tell you that was my um was one of my biggest uh albatrosses when i came back into program I, uh, I've been around the rooms a long time. I grew up in Alcoholics Anonymous, like act, literally as a child. Um, my parents met in AA and I am so grateful that they were sober when I developed my eating, my, my eating disorder because if there had been something else in the house, I would have picked it up. 
And thank God it was cookies and burritos and fill in the blank. Um, because I probably would have been a heroin addict had there been something harder in the house. So today I'm so grateful that this was the thing that, that caught me by the scruff of the neck because it's the thing that has uh, um, brought me to my knees. And I would not, I don't think, I'm, I don't think I would have ever developed a relationship with a power greater than myself were it not for this disease. So I'm so deeply grateful for this disease today because it gave me a life beyond my wildest dreams. Um, so I can't, for me, I can't talk about the promise, uh, fear of uh, people and of economic insecurity will leave us without talking about step 11. Um, you know, it says in the beginning of the promises, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. And to me, painstaking is like, what am I willing to do? What lengths am I willing to go to to get relief? And um, when I first came in back into, let me button this up with, uh, I came into program when I was um, 21 for the first time. I'm 39 and I only, and I'm coming up on four years of abstinence, which tells you in there was a very painful, expensive relapse. And I say expensive, I'm not actually talking about money. I'm talking about um, emotional wreckage. I'm talking about weight. I gained a hundred pounds in my relapse. And, um, and I, I tried to get out of relapse inside of that seven year period. And I was unable to, and then somehow the light went on and I was willing, and I don't know how it's grace. It's not by some virtue of mine. So I, I say all that to say, um, I've been beaten down by this disease. And when I came back and I came out of relapse, I knew if I was going to get relief, I had to do what my sponsor suggested. And the first and most important thing was put the freaking food down. I could not continue to eat alcoholic foods and get relief. It was just like full, full stop. There's nothing else there. But then of course you put the food down and the pain just like skyrockets, all this emotional pain, all like all the behavior that was causing me to eat. So I had to get relief and I started meditating. I started seeking conscious contact with God because there was nothing else, you guys. I had made so much wreckage when I was in my relapse, people wreckage, financial wreckage. It was a disaster. There are other words I could use to describe the situation, but I think you get the point. So when I, when I finally put the food down and I, I came back in and I was sober with my food, the pain was so great that I had to get, you know, put my butt on the meditation cushion, so to speak. Sometimes it was just the couch and I had to like go within. Um, the beautiful thing, you know, science tells us all the things that are, that the reasons why meditation and seeking conscious contact with God um, uh, um, are beneficial to us as humans. Um, the real thing is like uh, when I'm agitated or doubtful, I have the ability now to pause before I respond. And so thinking about all the things, the wreckage I'd created, oh my God, the, the tens of thousands of dollars of debt that I was in when I came back into program, I had gotten a divorce from my husband of 10 years I would get gained a hundred pounds um, and I was terrified of everything. It was like someone, you know, someone I was at all times, like someone could go boo and I would jump because I, my nervous system was just wrecked. 
and there was no, no, I, I couldn't, what can I can't myself, can't drink, I can't eat, I have to go to God. And the irony here is the only thing that it doesn't say people are going to start acting like you want them to, and you're going to suddenly be a millionaire. It doesn't say that. It says the fear of people and the fear of economic insecurity will leave you, right? So how did I, how did I release those fears? It's certainly not a man-made solution. It's a, it's a spiritual solution. So getting connected to a power greater than myself, right? And getting like my nervous system to slow down. Because you know, when you're eating, you're running, you're running from the fear, you're running from the anxiety, you're running from people. What did they think about me? Control the, the, the mental and emotional gymnastics that we are going through when we're in the food are just nuts. And only we, only we understand this. You know, that's why I get to come to these meetings and say the truth. And you guys are like, get it. You're nodding your head, you get it. So from the beginning of coming back and getting abstinent this last round or this, this there, I don't have another one in me. I'm willing to do whatever my sponsor says because I am, this is the last house on the block for me. Coming back to program, starting pray and meditate. Thank you, I see that. Um, has allowed me to move through some of the biggest challenges that I've ever had to face. And they all, no surprise to any of you, have me as the common denominator. So cleaning up my financial wreckage, cleaning up relationships. God, I had to give an amends to my ex-husband. When, when I first came in, I had my hand on my hip at him because he deserved it. And you know what? I had a lot to do with the way that thing ended. And I had, I had so many justifiable resentments. Oh my goodness. And the truth is, we don't have the luxury of harboring any of those things. Doing this, working the steps, getting myself plugged into a power greater than myself gave me power. And it wasn't power over other. It was power to face the things head on with grace and dignity and stay stopped. Um, and I guess the last thing I just want to say is that the, at the very end of the promises, it says, um, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And I like, this is a spiritual program of action. And if I don't daily choose that, I lose it. I lose it. You know, it's like learning a new language. If you don't use it, you lose it. The spiritual thing is an everyday connection. And I have to maintain it if, if I want that channel to be wide and, and, you know, to flow with ease. So I have to do the work. And I'm so grateful because I don't walk around with fear of people or economic insecurity today, despite what's happening in my relationships or despite what's happening in my bank account. I get to trust that I have, I'm connected to a power greater than myself and I can move into these conversations with grace and dignity I can open up and check my bank account with grace and dignity and I don't have to be freaked out. I just get to be really low to the ground and trust that today it's gonna to be okay a day, a day at a time. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lizzie.
And our next speaker is Bobby. Great. Hi, I'm Bobby. I'm a recovering compulsive reader. Um, I want to thank Jeff for asking me to share today. I want to thank everybody that has spoken so far because I've loved every word that every person has said. There's a tremendous amount of recovery here. Um, <clears throat> my promise that I'm going to share on is we will intuit intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. So I also want to tell you that I'm, um, I'm an old timer. I've been around for 47 years. I have 46 years of abstaining from compulsive overeating one day at a time, one moment at a time. So when I first, before program, I intuitively knew how to handle situations which used to baffle me by eating. I ate over everything. I ate to um, run away from my life, to not feel my life, to not experience life as life is presented one day at a time through the grace of God, with God, God is in charge, not me, but I'm jumping ahead. So I, I did know, I, um, and then I found program 47 years ago. It took me um, a year to get abstinent from compulsive overeating, to put the food, the physical manifestation of my threefold disease in check. I got abstinent and then I admitted I had to truly admit and accept that I was powerless over food, that my life had become unmanageable. And that's just one part. Then once I got abstinent, <laughs> then I had to go on and live life as life presented itself one day at a time. And I didn't know how to do that until I started working and living in the steps um, I have become, I'll, I'll go back and forth. I have become um, God or higher power conscious, if you will. I, I intuitively know how to handle life today, whatever life presents, because I immediately think of a step, turn to my higher power, turn to prayer, turn to faith, turn to hope, to, but I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that. I, I was a lady who, um, as Lizzie mentioned before, in her promise, I was afraid of everything. My whole life, I was fearful. I really think I was born a compulsive overeater. I started, I used to wear a little cardigan sweater at in kindergarten because I had no, I had no self-worth. I had no self-esteem. I didn't think I, I don't know. I don't think I believed to, believed I even belonged to be on this planet. I didn't know how to like myself. I didn't know how to love myself until I came into Overeaters Anonymous and started working the steps. The first, second, third step, turn my will in my life over to the care of God. God is in charge as I understand it today, not Bobby, not Bobby B. 
you, whoever you are, you don't do what I want you to do. So today, I instinctively know to let go, to let God, to trust, say, thy will, not mine, be done, and go about my day, go about my life, not be afraid to feel the feelings, to show up, to not run away. Um, I don't feel alone anymore. I really don't because I turn to a power. I have a conscious, step 11, have a sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for me, us, us, all of us, and the power to carry that out. Um, it's really, um, I, I don't ever feel alone. Um, I'm married. Uh, I don't have any kids. Um, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. When I walked into these rooms, I was, a, I mean, I really wasn't. I was an old lady at, uh, how old was I? 74. I, I, I mean, I came in in 74. I, I don't remember how old I was. It doesn't matter. The point is, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to take care of myself and to like myself without turning back to the food. And so once I got into Overeaters Anonymous and re realized I have a threefold disease, as I believe, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And once, as everyone has been talking, once the food is intact and I eat healthy and maintain a nice body weight, blah, 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 it's not about the food anymore. It's about being present in my life, feeling the feelings, living in a pandemic. Thank you, God, for Zoom. Um, and it's really um, quite wonderful. Is everything perfect? Oh, dear God, no. Um, I've learned how to like myself. I, I, I didn't like myself before. I really hated myself before, before Overeaters Anonymous, before uh, if I'm rude or disrespectful or a real witch to my husband, I immediately, immediately, I intuitively know, oh, oh yeah, I, I owe the guy an amend. I, I'm not being a decent, kind, gracious person. I'm being a witch <laughs> since we're being recorded. Um, I intuitively know today program 12 steps of over overeaters anonymous is my life is my life it's my it's it's god's gift grace to me today to show up that's what i do today with the grace of god with the grace of god one day at a time one moment at a time i'm here I'm present, I'm showing up, I'm not running away, I'm not numbing myself, I don't self-loathe myself, I am so, thank you, Melissa, I see that, I'm so grateful, I, when I go on my walks in the morning, because, you know, that's all the exercise we can do, because the gyms are closed, okay, thy will not mine be done, one day that will, that we, we will, we will, be better. We will, it will pass. This too shall pass. 
I turn to the program. I turn to a step. I turn to my higher power for everything. And, and I truly feel, I really feel blessed. It is a gift. I, yeah, I have 46 years of abstaining from compulsive overeating, but it's a gift. I, I just put the food, put the binging down, put the running away, the willingness, and I got a gift from a power greater than myself to be present in my life and be grateful for everything. I always say this, not that I want to blame my mother, but I'm just going to say, when I was growing up, the glass was always half full. I mean, excuse me, excuse me, half empty. It was never half full. And it was always worst case scenario. And what if this? And what if that? And it was always negative. No wonder I was afraid to live life. I had, as I said, fear of everything. That is not the case today. I intuitively know with the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous how to live my life happy, joyous, and free because I have a power greater than myself that shows me how to love and live my life one day at a time, love myself. And then once I learned how to love myself to the best of my ability, one day at a time, by putting down the food, I can learn how to have relationships, not be in control and turn that control over to a power greater than myself. So for anybody who's having problems, um, please keep coming back. I didn't want to work at anything ever in my life. I just wanted to have somebody else do it for me. But I, I was given the grace of willingness to learn how to take care of myself, love myself, like, like myself, one day at a time, one moment at a time. And it is the most fabulous gift of all this program. So I will keep coming back for one day at a time, many, 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 many years to come. And thank you all for being here. I pass. Thank you, Bobby. All right, we have our last speaker, Miriam. Am I unmuted? Is it working? Yep, I can hear okay, you. Okay, there. Hi, I'm Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. You know, it's fun. I'm um, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to say that. And um, before this, I called Pearl. She's somebody I talk to like every day. And um, I said, I think I have some ego involved. And she started laughing at me. <laughs> she, she thought that was very funny. And I needed that. I needed somebody to laugh at me because um. You know, I'm, I'm here because I'm not all there and I'm a compulsive overeater one day at a time, one second at a time, this program has saved my life. And um, I was, uh, it's funny because, you know, when I was in my disease, really in my disease and eating, um, it's funny, I'm at home in my laundry room and my cat is trying to come in and go out, sorry. When I was um, in my disease, I avoided pictures. And I said to myself the other day, you know, there were three pictures that I did take fat. I thought I looked good, which is why I took the picture. And I found one of them. It's funny. I was looking through stuff and I found an old big book with a picture in it. This was a couple of days ago. And 
I got to learn how to screen share this. I don't know if you can see it, but anyway, there I am. And I thought I looked good, right? And I'm like 40 pounds heavier than what I am now. Again, trying to get everybody to notice me and my disease while I'm eating. And, and I look at that picture and I think, oh my God, that is definitely, you know, God has given me everything. This program, my life, who I am is a direct result of God doing for me what I can't do for myself. And um, it's intimidating for me, you know, to be sitting in a Zoom at a screen with people. <laughs> but the truth is that I live and breathe this program. Um, I couldn't stop eating. I remember that moment when I had the sugar and um, I was faking low blood sugars. I'm a type one diabetic. I was put on a diet at nine. And, and the more you told me I could not eat sugar, the more I did, the angrier I got at you. And the more I said, F you, I'm, I'm out and, um, and game on. And um, I didn't say that to myself consciously. I just ate and, and uh, that's what I always went to. And, and they told me I had to be on a diet. They told me that I had to lose weight and I would believe it. I'd say, okay, I'm gonna lose the weight. This is it, you know, and I was educated. I was hospitalized. I went to therapists. I did all that stuff. So I knew how to eat. I just couldn't do it. And every day I'd say, what's wrong with me? You know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And um, my mom was the one who told me about OA and I was like, oh, for Eaters Anonymous, no, <laughs> in the beginning. And, um, and then uh, when I was 18, my mom said, why don't you go to OA? And I went, okay. And um, I sat in the Darby office and I saw the steps on the wall and they could have been Japanese characters for all I knew because it didn't make any sense to me. But I say this every single time, for the first time in my life, I felt this overwhelming feeling of love. And, and everything in me said, it all stops here. All that trying, all that chasing, all that running, all that just, uh, it stops here. And that was God. I believe that in my heart, the people, and, and for the first time, I felt like I belonged somewhere. Like I'm not so wrong. And, um, but I didn't work the steps. I did steps one and 12. I didn't work any of the steps and I hung out. So if there's anything I can encourage to the newcomers is just keep coming back because you never know when it's going to hit. It hit me six years later. <laughs> I hope it doesn't take you that long, but it did. And that's when I finally surrendered everything, everything, everything. I didn't want to be Miriam anymore. I knew that my thinking was disease. I knew that I was disease. I knew that the situations in my life were all a direct result of me being disease. And you know what? Ira, thank God for him, who didn't spare my feelings. He said, Miriam, you know what your problem is? You're selfish, you're self-centered. Read pages 62 through 69 in the big book and, and I'll see you at a meeting. And he hung up on me. And I was like, what the? And, and um, I didn't know I was selfish and self-centered. I really didn't until I knew I was selfish and self-centered. They told me to replace the word alcoholic in the big book with compulsive overeater and read it. And I did that. I studied it every night. I went to a coffee shop here in, uh, in, in the Valley. It's no longer there, but I went there every single night and I studied that big book for dear life. I have it in my hands right here because finally 
there's something that explains what I am. I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, but I just go to the food. And I didn't know that until they told me that. And they said, if you do what we say, you'll recover. Okay, so when I finally surrendered and got a sponsor and did what she said, you know, something, now I do believe too that when we come here, if we keep coming back, something spiritual begins with us. I do believe that. When we surrender truly, who knows? But I know that for me, when I finally surrendered, immediately something shifted. And um, and I was willing to listen to my sponsor. And I, I'm very blessed. I've had a very great sponsor. I have a grand sponsor. I talked to my grand sponsor today. There's a lineage of women who are very old now. Um, but they told it like it was, man. And that's what I tell my sponsees. And I needed someone to not BS me. I needed someone to say, you know what? You're going through stuff, do this. Because me as an addict, I have free floating anxiety, <laughs> free floating thinking, lots of feelings, lots of emotions. And if I don't eat, I have, to, how do I say that? If, if I'm not gonna eat, I have to use this program tonight, you know, to move forward and not eat. And I have found some things. I, it's not good for me to be like, um, I, I have to stay humble um, and, and I don't like credit. <laughs> I don't like getting credit. It's all God. Um, my direct life, my husband, my kids, my appearance, trying to look good. This is all a direct result of God because I didn't, I, I didn't do any of that before. And um, I am very humbled that God has given me the gift of abstinence and this beautiful life. As a type one diabetic, I should be blind. I should be having one limb. I was on my way to a slow, miserable, horrible, horrible, horrible death. I had a cousin who died of this. And by the way, she came from money. She had a PhD. She was bulimic, type one diabetic and died at the age of 40 because her insides were that of a like 82 year old. She was so effed up. I didn't swear. I try very hard not to. Uh, she uh, she died, and uh, she didn't get this program. And uh, if I wasn't working the program during this pandemic, I'd be so into the food. I'd have a horrible life. See, when I'm in the food, when I take a bite, when I start eating those foods that trigger me, my head is off. And then all of a sudden I become very angry and all of a sudden it's just complete chaos. And then everything around me becomes chaos and then it gets too painful. So I just go and eat. So I have to work this program, you know, Chuck C I'm going over Chuck C with a sponsee right now. I love my sponsees. I'm going over Chuck C with a sponsee right now. And really someone said it earlier, this is a full-time gig, you know, being abstinent, being aware of our feelings, our emotions, being aware of the food, being aware of our stuff. I know I'm weak. I know I need God's help. I don't know why I know that. Some people don't seem to know that, but I know it. I know that I'm still nuts. And I know that as soon as I'm thinking stuff that makes sense to me, I need to run it by other people, which is why I need people to laugh at me, <laughs> which is why I laugh, you know, because the truth is, is that we've been given this gift of abstinence. I have, and life is good. But boy, can I get in the way? I start thinking stuff and I'm, I'm creating stuff and, and who knows what. <laughs> and the gift is that I can laugh at my craziness and I don't have to act on any of it because if I do, oh boy, you know, and, and, um, 
And I've had to look at myself a lot during this pandemic. You know, the truth is, and I heard this from Clancy, I was just listening to Clancy, and he talks about um, how we as alcoholics addicts, we tend to isolate normally and alienate ourselves and feel intense insecurity. And um, I have felt that a lot during these Zooms. So I have to work really, really hard to stay connected because I'm scared to not be connected. I mean, that's the truth. Um, even, even higher power, yes, but I need the fellowship. I need the unity. I need the recovery. I need to be of service a lot because that's what's keeping me abstinent during these times. If I'm not of service, I'm back in myself. It's that simple. And um, I'm very humbled that I've been given this gift and it's all there for us. And uh, thanks. Awesome, thank you, Miriam. So are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. I would like to thank Jeff and Katie for being of service to get this meeting going. And I really would like to thank all of the speakers who came and shared their experience, strength, and hope tonight. Um, and thank you for letting me be of service. I have turned the ability to unmute yourself